Good evening, brothers and sisters in Christ. Grace and mercy to each and every one of you this evening as we start to look at God's Word together this evening. You know, uh, this morning, Chris had asked me, are you preaching this evening? And also, uh, another Chris asked me this evening. Two different Chris's asked me this evening. Are you going to be preaching this evening? And I said, Lord willing. You know, are you confident of that? I said, yeah. You know, well, I'm just saying, Lord willing, just in case I don't get up here. But that, I started to make that phrase. If the creeks don't rise... Then I thought, well, wait, we just had a big, huge rain Wednesday, and the creeks are rising. And now it's raining outside, so I'm not going to say that phrase at all this evening, okay? But looking at this picture this evening, I don't know what came to your first your mind. Maybe what we'll be talking about tonight, maybe it's Jesus talking about the great banquet, you know, that we'll be prepared for. Maybe it's Jesus and the disciples when he was going to uh, wash the disciples' feet, show him the full extent of his love. But tonight's going to be about something else that we're going to be thinking about. And that's about something that sometimes we don't talk about a lot. And a lot of times, I think of the reasons that we don't is because we don't know exactly how impactful it is. Or sometimes we kind of understand or think, well, maybe only people who are very, very spiritual or very Christ-like are able to do this. And we shouldn't be in fear to being able to do spiritual disciplines that our Lord and Savior gave us. If you notice on that plate, there's no food on that plate, Okay. So tonight my lesson's about fasting, okay? And I want us to think about that a little bit this evening as we look at it. You know, we have those kinds of preaching. As Tim says, you have preaching, then you have teaching, preaching, and all those things. But I want us just to look at some passages tonight for us to focus in and thinking about fasting. Of what it is, how we do it, how long does it have to be for, all those kinds of questions that we have. Or is it, can any of us do it? All those kinds of questions that perhaps come to our head and to our minds many times when we think about fasting. For your own study, I would just say go get a concordance or get on the Bible app if you're on a phone or anything. And just type in the word fast, okay? And you'll see lots of verses in the Bible in the Old Testament and New Testament talking about fasting. Now, not every time you see fast, it means not eating food. Sometimes it means fast is in your quick. Sometimes it means steadfast or hold fast. But in this sense, we're talking about fasting as a spiritual discipline, as in the Old Testament was first mentioned in Leviticus chapter 24, when he says, let us deny ourselves the idea of fasting on the day of atonement, when added to remember who they were, to an act of humility, of thinking of who God is and who he is. But I want us to look at some different times in the life of people, in the life of individuals and in groups of people where fasting occurred. So as to get us an idea of when is fasting is taken care of many times in the Bible. Now, I can tell you that I have had people who have fasted for my family before in certain difficult times, in times of suffering, in times of decisions. And I can say that I know that those who have fasted for us, that the Lord answered and answered very powerfully each and every time uh, that I know that people have fasted for me. Now, I've also fasted. Many, not many times, I'd like to say lots of times, but not as many as I would like. In fact, sometimes this past year, I think there's some times I should have, and I didn't. And I've already asked God for forgiveness of that. When you hear of something that's, that's big or something that makes suffering, and you want to give it to the Lord with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We know about prayer and fasting, the connection. When Jesus saw that, came down the mountain with Peter, James, and John, you know, and the, the disciples are trying to, Cast out that demon, and Jesus says these only come out through prayer and fasting, okay? And so we have all these things and these connections with fasting, with prayer. But above all, it's a spiritual discipline that God has left for us to use. 
But look at it as first of all, in the first fa- in the way of fasting, we see is a time of mourning when people are going through hard times. If we if we notice so so many times in First Samuel chapter thirty one, Second Samuel chapter one, First Chronicles chapter t- ten, all of these times is when David is talking about this moment when Saul had passed away. And if we look at the Second Samuel chapter one verse eleven through thirteen, he says. David and all the men with him took hold of their clothes and tore them. When they saw Saul and Jonathan who had been, who had died in the battle, they mourned and wept and fasted till evening for Saul and his son Jonathan and for the army of the Lord and for the nation of Israel because they had fallen by the sword. So we see at a time of mourning. Now we see also that this time of mourning that they had at the time when they did this, it says when all the inhabitants in first Chronicles 10, uh, heard that the Philistines had done to Saul, all their valiant men went and took the bodies of Saul and his sons and brought them to Jabesh. Then they buried their bones under the great tree in Jabesh, and they fasted seven days. Okay? They fasted seven days. Okay? When we think of the word fasting, okay, biblically, it's, re, it's the saying, renunciation of food. Okay? At this time, renunciation of food, not going to eat food. Okay? As we look through this and we'll see this, there's different kinds of fasting also. But you can see that fasting was something correlated with mourning. To go through something with somebody. I think one of the ways it's trying to say this is, I'm praying for you and I'm going to be thinking of you. And what better way to, to let that person know, the living know, and, and fasting to God to say, God, we've seen, we saw what happened. And Lord God, we ask for your comfort for the nation. We ask your comfort for the family. And whatever it is and whoever, whatever they're going through, Lord, that this time of mourning, and I think Joe said in our class this morning, we touched on fasting a little bit because in Mark chapter 2, Jesus will talk a bit about a little bit, a little bit about fasting also. But he says when you're sad, you really don't want to eat anyway, right? Well, mourning is also that same sense. But fasting also is showing and saying, I'm going through this with you. I want you to know as you have suffered and we have suffered with the loss of others, I'm suffering. And when I'm fasting, I'm remembering the Lord and I'm remembering you at this time to encourage you, to comfort you in this time of mourning. So fasting we see are done in times of mourning. But also fasting is done in times of turmoil. If you look in Esther chapter 4, when the people of Israel receive word... That the king is going to kill all the Jews because of the plan that Haman has made. It says in Esther chapter 4, Every province to which the edict and order of the king came, there was great mourning among the Jews. With fasting, weeping, and wailing, many lay in sackcloth and ashes. Okay? Times of turmoil. We can understand it. We can see it. What happened? What did they do at that very moment when they received this distressing news? Praying, wailing, and fasting. Okay? So fasting is something that can be done when you hear some news or you're in some kind of turmoil or something that happens big and we don't know what to do. Of course, they were not sure of what to do at that moment. And later on, we'll see what Esther says, but we're not going to get there just yet. But I want us to think about it in Esther chapter 4. When a distressful moment came, they said, let's go to the Lord in fasting. Okay? Giving up that time. Fasting to the Lord. You know what? A lot of times people will say it this way. When you're fasting and you feel that pain and you feel that want and that desire for that chocolate 
or for that whatever it is that you really like and you have that desire and you know you can't have it, but you stay at that time and say, God, I'm giving this moment where my head's in chocolate. Help me to get off chocolate and be praying to you for that person. To bring in our minds back to Christ. Bring in our minds back to the Lord's things. And in this moment of turmoil, to bring their lives back to the Lord. When we think of Jonah, when he was sent to tell Nineveh of the things that were going to happen to them, what did they do? They lay in sackcloth and they prayed and they fasted. And the Lord heard them and saw them and saw their humility and changed his mind. And at that moment did not bring upon them the destruction that he said he would at that moment. God looks at, God sees, God knows the things that are on our heart, the things that are deep into our heart, the things that we think about, the things that we love. But one of the other things that we need to think about when we continue thinking of fasting, and not only is it mourning in times of turmoil, but it's because of sin. When we understand what sin is and what it does to us and how it affects us, we want to do everything that we can to become people of the Lord, to do what God wants in his life. If we look at 1 Samuel chapter 7, verses 5 through 7, when he says, When Samuel said, and all the Israel came together at Mizpah, and, all, and, all, and I will intercede with the Lord for you. Samuel says this, When they had assembled at Mizpah, they drew water and poured it on before the Lord. On that day they fasted, and there they confessed their sins. We have sinned against the Lord. Now Samuel was serving as leader of Israel at Mizpah. One of the first things that I want us to see here is that he had a humble heart. And in that fasting, they was pouring out to the Lord that we as a people have sinned against you. When we feel our hearts heavy because of sin or if we're struggling with some kind of sin in our life, we ask people for prayers. also have that word that we hear lots of times in Philippians chapter 4 when Paul says rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice present your prayers and your petitions your supplications to the Lord what's the difference between prayer and supplication prayer is to the Lord supplication is Lord I'm focused on this and when you get to the thinking the thought thinking of fasting Lord God this is truly what's on my mind and Lord God I need you to correct it I need you to help me to get my head straight. And when we see what sin has done to us and we say, Lord, I want to fast. And help me get direction to get out of this sin. Help me to do it, Lord. In Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4, when Nehemiah hears about the walls in Jerusalem, it says that he wept and prayed and fasted for three days because of the news that he heard. And in his prayer, he says, Lord God, I have sinned and your people have sinned against you. So fasting can be in connection to understanding, Lord God, I am a sinner. I am in need of you. Lord God, help me to get rid of whatever is in my life that's keeping me from having that right relationship with you. Lord God, I want to fast about this. I want to do in my fast what I want to do truly is show humility, humbleness, that Lord, I understand I can only run to you. I can only find strength in you. I can only find forgiveness in you. Lord God, I am a sinner and I need your help. Can God change things in the lives of people when they decide, yes, Lord, humbly, I bow down to you? Can Lord God say, I can see the humility in somebody and God knows the heart more than anybody else, right? Amen. 
I want us to think of this next slide when we're talking about fasting and about petitioning, about making supplications to the Lord for ourselves. Listen what Ahab receives, the message that Ahab receives in 1 Kings chapter 21. And listen to these words here. When I heard these things, okay, in 1 Kings 21 verse 20, Elijah comes and he finds him. And Ahab said to Elijah, so you have found me, my enemy. I have found you, he answered, because you have sold yourself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, he says. Elijah's telling Ahab, I am to bring disaster on you. I will wipe out your descendants and cut you off from Ahab, every last male in Israel, slave or free. I will make your house like that of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and the son of Basha, son of Ahijah, because you have aroused my anger and have caused Israel to sin, Ahab. And also concerning Jezebel, remember Jezebel had killed Naboth to get that land for Ahab. The Lord says, dogs will devour Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. Dogs will eat those belonging to Ahab to die in the city, and the birds will feed those who die in the country. There was never anyone like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, urged on by Jezebel, his wife, he behaved, behaved in the vilest manner by going after idols like Amorites the Lord drove out before Israel. Imagine receiving that news. And it's going to happen. But it's not going to happen while he's still alive. Listen to what it says here next in verse 27. When Ahab heard these words, he tore his clothes. Put on sackcloth and fasted. He lay in sackcloth and went around meekly. Ahab understand that he had aroused the anger of the Lord because he sinned and he had led others into sin. Look what God says to the Lord, Elisha. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. Have you not noticed how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself, I will not bring this disaster in his day, but I will bring it on his house in the days of his son. Now, I want you to think about it. The Lord says it's going to happen, but Ahab, it's not going to happen in your lifetime. God extended a little bit of mercy to Ahab at that moment. But what does God notice about Ahab at that moment? He says, look, have you noticed how he has humbled himself before me? We can understand that fasting, petitioning our ones to self as Ahab, God looks upon us. And God sees if we're acting in humility, true humility or not. When we think about petitioning for others, we think of 2 Samuel chapter 12 when David is petitioning for his baby that was just born. And while he was petitioning for the baby, it says that he was praying, that he was fasting. Remember, the servants came to him, and he was very upset at that time. And then when the baby died, they didn't even want to go tell him. They said, well, if he was upset, while we tried to tell him earlier some stuff, he's going to be even more upset if he knows that he's dying. And then David says, he sees them talking, he says, has the child died? And David gets up, and he goes on with his life. And then they ask him, how could you change? How could you be so deep in that moment and now ready to continue on? Look what it says in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 22 and 23. He answered, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. 
I thought, who knows, the Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he is dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. In that time of fasting, in that time of praying, David was giving it to the Lord for that child. When that child passed away, he got up and he continued on. But you know one of the great things that we can see here in this part? Is David said, he's not going to return here, but I will go to him. Amen. If we have our children in the Lord to know that we are going to them. They may not come back to us here, but we are going to them. And then if we also notice how the Lord was merciful to David, the next child he would have would be Solomon, who would become the wisest man of his time. And so we think about this. And so we petition for others. Just as in Mark chapter 9 is talking about when Jesus says, how can we cast this man out, this demon out? He says it only comes out through prayer and fasting. The power that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ to destroy obstacles, destroy principalities because of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But not only that, as we go through this, but we can also petition for direction in our lives. If you could hit the button one time, Johnny, just one time, should be a thing that comes up there. There you go. Second Chronicles 20. The people petition for the Lord and ask the Lord, what should we do? Have you ever had a time in your life when you're asking the Lord, what's the next step in my life? Could be job. Could be, I want to get married to this person. Could be, Lord God, I got to make a move to a different place. Lord God, I've gotten sick and I got some options. Lord God, what do I want to do? And we can seek it in prayer. Yes. And we can seek it in prayer and we can seek it in fasting. And we can ask God for his direction. Look what it says in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army is coming against you from Edom from the other side of the Dead Sea. It's already in Hezapar Tamar. That is in Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. So we notice that fasting can be individual and it can be also group or people. Together. But it says that Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire the Lord, inquire the Lord and fasting. And the Lord would give them direction. So if you're looking for your direction in your life and there's some big thing coming up in your life, pray about it. Think of fasting about it. Lord God, I'm going to give this up and I'm going to be thinking of you during this fast. And Lord God, I'm bringing this petition up to you because I know that you will answer to your good, pleasing, and perfect will. David fasted, and the child died even though he was fasting for it to live. Jehoshaphat fasted, and they would give direction. But the fact is humility, saying, Lord God, I give this to you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my strength. But not only that, we find in fasting protection. The next uh, verse coming up here. In Ezra chapter 8, When the people were going to be going back to Babylon, he says here by the Avicanal, I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children with all our possessions. I was ashamed to ask the king and soldiers and horsemen to protect us from enemies on the road because we had told the king the gracious hand of our God is on us and everyone who looks to him. But his great anger is against us all who forsake him. So we fastened, so we fastened, so we fasted and petitioned our God about this. 
And he answered our prayer. Petitioning to God for protection. Fasting to the Lord. Lord God, I've got to go through this. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. There may be suffering. There may be grief. Lord God, but in this fast, I want to proclaim to you with all humility that you are my God. And that I will accept whatever your good, pleasing, perfect will is. Lord God, we told them that we didn't need that help. And so we're leaning totally on you at this time. Depending on you with all of our, with all of our journey that we're going. And asking for your protection. We can ask for protection, but we can also ask for courage. As it says in Esther chapter 4, verse 16. Remember, Mordecai sends words to Esther telling her that, Hey, you know what? There's a big scheme that has come up. All the people of God are going to be dying because of the edict that the the king has made because of Haman. And the only way that you can stop it is if you go talk to the king. And Esther, first of all, says, look, now, if I go to the king without him him calling me, and if he does not extend that scepter to me to come in, I can be killed. I can die. And then Mordecai sends another word. He says, I want you to know that Relief will come for the people of God. But who knows if it's not for this hour that you're in this place and this time for this to happen. And it says at that time, Esther declared a fast for three days. And now you have fasting, okay, which is not eating food. She declared what some people call an extreme fast. No food or water for three days. And she said, I'm going to, Mordecai, you tell all those people to be fasting and praying for us. I will be fasting and praying. And in fact, all of my attendants will be fasting and praying. And what does she say? In the end of it all, she says this in Esther chapter 4 verse 16. Go gather all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish... I perish. Esther was asking for courage. Lord God, I may perish going before this king. I ask for your prayers. I ask you to be fasting. I need all of it. Was Esther ready when she went? Oh, yes. Was she ready to go and whatever happened would happen? Oh, yes. And the king was merciful to her. And I'm sure that the prayer and fasting of the brothers and sisters had a lot of God looking and seeing the humility at that moment and that time. And her people were saved. And not only that, when you get to the end of Esther, they will mark days of fasting and certain appointed times of fasting to remember what had happened and what, how God had worked in saving them at that time. But I want us to say that in all of these things that we see at fasting and one thing I don't want us to get the idea is, well, if I got a problem, I'll go fast and God's going to do exactly what I want. It's kind of like one of those equations, A plus B equals C. Well, I want this plus fasting and God's going to answer it the way I want. Okay? We already understand in David that wasn't how it goes. And we cannot think that we can manipulate God. If you go to the next slide here, John, we're going to see here talking about what fasting is not. Okay? The first thing that fasting is not it's not manipulating God, and it's not for show. Well, they're both up on the screen already, okay? So I'll just go ahead and say them. But the very first thing in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 58, 
when God is talking to the people and they're fasting and they're saying, Lord God, we're fasting, but why aren't you answering the way we're asking? Because we're fasting. And he says, they ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you are not, not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, God asked them, do you do as you please and exploit all your workers? Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I've chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? God's saying, you can't manipulate me. Fast. God saw Ahab, the wicked, wicked, wicked man that he was. And he understood that Ahab had a sin start. He said, look how this man has humbled himself. And the people of God who were saying, well, we've got God, so I'm going to fast. And God's going to answer the way we are. When he does the way we want, when he does it where it's God. And God said, what are you fasting for? You're doing it with the wrong reasons. Kind of just like what James says in chapter 4 about praying, right? You fight and quarrel, you have fights and quarrels, but when you, you have, you don't receive because when you ask, you ask with wrong motives. We can't think that fasting is an all, oh, I'll do it, and God's going to answer the way I want. But we do it to show humility. And then also go ahead and click the button one time, Johnny, because I know one more little thing will come up on that one real quick, just for it to come up already. But what I want us to think about here, that is also not for show. You remember Luke chapter 18? The Pharisee and the tax collector. Remember the Pharisee says, God, I thank you. I'm not like the rest of men. I give a tenth of all I have. I fast twice a week. I give to the poor. And I thank you most important that I'm not like this tax collector. And the tax collector couldn't even look up to heaven and say, God, forgive me. I am a sinner. And he's the one who went off exalted. He who humbles himself will be exalted. Fasting should be an act of humility. Never to, look at me, look at me. Remember what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount? When you fast, which is an idea that he thought that we would be fasting after he's gone on the Sermon on the Mount. When you fast, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the Pharisees who put the ashes on their head and... Look at me. I'm, I'm so weak today. Why, why are you so weak today? Oh, I'm fasting. I can barely walk. I can just stay on my knees. Oh, you know, it's just so hard when I fast. Oh, that's a lot of show, isn't it? <laughs> okay, I got back up. See, whoops. I'm glad that didn't fall over. Okay. I won't touch this either, okay? <laughs> Make sure of that also. But what I want is to say. And for us to see here in the scriptures, God has lots of stuff that he wants us to do. And he's given us this spiritual discipline of fasting. And maybe sometimes we don't talk about fasting because God says do it in secret. And who you do in secret, God will reward you. But I know people who have fasted for me. And I have seen God's answers clearly through their fasting and through their prayers. I know that I have fasted and prayed for others before on certain subjects in their lives. And I've seen God answer clearly and succinctly in the lives of those people as well. So what can we understand about fasting? What is fasting? Fasting 
is drawing near to God in suffering. Lord God, I need to come to you. I'm suffering. I'm hurting. Gone through some mourning, gone through some hard things. Lord God, in fast, draw near to you. Not only that, it's drawing near to God because of sin, as we've talked about already. Drawing near God for direction. Drawing near God for one another. Drawing near to God, simply that. A longing for Him. If you see in Mark chapter 2, when Jesus says, While the bridegroom is with them, they will not be fasting because they're rejoicing. When the bridegroom leaves, they will fast. Because they're longing once again to have that relationship with the Lord that they had while they were walking along with Him. Fasting. A longing also to draw near to the Lord each and every day of our lives. And I want us to know, does does the Lord see? Does he attend? He, of course, attends our prayers, our supplications. But does he see us in humility and fasting? Yes. He saw Ahab. He saw the people of Nineveh. He saw the people of Isaiah, the people of God, not with the right heart because of pride. But the Lord, you can be confident in the moment that you're fasting, he sees you imploring to him. And you can have total certeza, confidence. You can have total confidence in the Lord that he will answer his good, pleasing, and perfect will in your lives. What other ways is fasting important for the church? If we look in the Bible and we think of in Jesus talking about it in Matthew 6 saying when you fast, knowing that there will be things that we need to fast about. But if we look in the Bible in this next, uh, next slide, Johnny. Okay, right, slide here also. That's a, that's a freebie there, okay? And fasting can be done individually or in a group. It can be done at appointed times or at random. You know, the Ezra, after when the moment, God has set the point of fast the day of the moment. To that now, to do that. There's not a command for us to fast. But there are plenty of examples of fasting in the Bible for us to look at. And knowing that when we fast, not only shakes up this world, but up the heavenly world also. Okay? Just as he says when he talks about the demons. These come out by prayer and fasting. There is a strength in fasting. There is things that happen in the spiritual world when we fast. And those things happen because God sees our humility. And sees that whatever it is that's on our hearts and minds is to the point that, Lord God, I'm willing to give up food for this person, for this part purpose. But above all, Lord, during this time of fasting, may I draw near to you. And you can choose the length. They had three days, seven days, some do 24 hours. You choose the time that you would like and set it to the Lord. And may it be a glorious occasion for you. But when we look in fasting, important to us, in Acts chapter 13, the church is meeting together. And it says in Acts chapter 13, verse 2 and 4, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The power of praying and fasting. As a congregation and as individuals, they were praying. And the Lord, we can tell, Lord God, how can we send the message? Who shall we send? The Holy Spirit chose 
Paul and Barnabas through their prayers and through their fasting. In Acts chapter 14, verses 22 through 24, when Paul and Barnabas are going out and they're going to select leaders and select elders at these places, what does it say here in the, in the word of God? Strengthen the disciples and encourage them to remain true into the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church, in each congregation, and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. After going through Pisidia, they came into Pamphylia. What I want us to think about, fasting. As a congregation, as individuals for our church family, Lord God, give us good leaders. Amen. Ronald, praying and fasting for our elders, right? Elders praying and fasting for the congregation. To be encouragement to one another. To say, Lord, your will be done in our lives. As a preparation for ministry, when somebody goes out from here to different places. I loved it when we went to Brazil. When you and I moved to Brazil, we were here in the front. And the elders came up front and laid their hands on us and prayed for us as we got sent off to go to Brazil. I remember Kathy Thompson after that, after worship, she said, Welcome to a new chapter in your life, Mark. I was like, oh, wow, you're right. It is a chapter, okay? I remember when I was at church in Tennessee in college side where I was uh, converted while I was in college. And when I decided I was going to move to Texas at that time in Lubbock. And the elders called me forward and prayed for me at that time, laid their hands and did that. And see that. But you know what? There are probably brothers and sisters who have fasted for me and I have no idea. Praise God. Praise God for them who have done that. Praise God. I know of some who have. And I know that they didn't do that to say, hey, look at me. But out of humility. Wanted them to know, hey, I'm fasting for you. For your family. But what I want us to think of, Jesus, in preparing his ministry, when he went out into the desert, he fasted for the 40 days. As Moses fasted, as Elijah, for 40 days also. But you know what really happens in fasting? How many of us like to eat? We like to eat. Okay, I saw some hands go up like two of them. All right, I see some other ones, okay? We love to eat. I don't know about you, but it seems like Sunday after worship morning services, people get out pretty fast. Why? I think a lot of them are ready to go what? Eat, right? Eat. Man, got to get there. Got to go get some food. Have you ever been up in late at night and you have a craving for something and you go there and it's not there? Oh, man, that hurts, doesn't it? Man, I was hungry for that. I was craving that. And it's not there. I'll tell you one example real quick. I know the girls have heard it before. You've probably heard it before already. But I'm going to say it again. Fudge rounds, Little Debbie. Love them. Dangerfield brought two or three boxes. Or no, three boxes of fudge rounds. The very first time they came to Brazil. See, I can still remember it. 2006. Okay? The very first time that Dangerfield came as a group. Set those fudge rounds on top of the refrigerator. Said, you let's not eat these while... Dangerfield is here. Once they leave, you know, we'll be able to relax. And I get a big, cold glass of chocolate. I love chocolate milk. But in this case, I love cold milk, okay, because of the chocolate of the fudge round. So I'm going to get a cold glass of milk and drink that fudge round. Eat that fudge round, okay? I love it so much I want to drink it, see, okay? Those days came. They left. 
And then we came up. Dangerfield had gone back, had a blessing, had a great, wonderful time the Lord has blessed us with. Went, got my milk ready, and went to go get the fudge rounds, and they were not there. Looked in the cabinets. You know how you start looking. Looking under everything, looking under the table, looking in the living room, looking in the kitchen, looking in the bathroom. I look in everywhere, okay? Got to trying to find these fudge rounds. I said, you, I can't find these fudge rounds. And she said, Mark, maybe Vonda, who was taking care of the girls, Maybe she saw them while they were there or something. She said, I'll ask Vonda. Vonda will know. Because Vonda, whoever's gone to Brazil knows Vonda. She's, she's a helper, big time. And so the next day, Vonda came and said, Vonda, have you seen those fudge on those little chocolate things that was on top of the refrigerator? Oh, yeah. Uh, while, you girls, while y'all were gone, the girls would ask for those every day. And so I gave them some. So Deborah and Barbara ate all the fudge rounds, but, and I didn't even know it until it was over with. How did I react? I cried. <laughs> no way. I cried and I was upset, okay, that that happened. Whoa, okay. Now, this is something uh, from the commentaries I was reading I, and, and the, the preachings I was listening before talking about fasting. There's one thing, other thing about fasting that it does for us. It can reveal our hearts. Not only reveal God's will, but it can reveal our own hearts. When we have that craving, do we turn it to God or do we get upset or do we get mad? Have you ever said, I'm I'm sorry if I said something I shouldn't have. I was just, I was so hungry and I didn't eat when I was supposed to and, and I just said what I said. Okay, well if we said something we shouldn't, that's revealing our hearts. So in fasting, when you are fasting, you decide to fast. When those cravings come up, God, give me a heart to be proactive and not react. Give me a heart that when that craving comes for food, Lord God, I'll bring up my petition to you. Give me, Lord, when that craving comes up also, Lord, that I remember your will done and not my will. Lord God, I'm giving this up because above all, I want your good, pleasing, perfect will to be done in my life. And Lord God, I know that you will act according to your will. Fasting can reveal our hearts. Yes, it is a spiritual discipline that we should think about growing in. And think about it. We can do it on our terms, the terms that we make with the Lord. Isn't it great and awesome to know that we can know that we can pray without ceasing? And we fast when the time comes up for fasting. But most of the time when we see fasting, remember, it's always connected because I need a deeper desire relationship with the Lord. And there's something on my heart, Lord, that I want to give to you totally. So in fasting, Lord, may I give it totally to you, whatever that may be. I know that there's people fasting for loved ones who are not in Christ. And I want to tell the loved ones who aren't in Christ, God loves you. And he desires a relationship with you. God loves you more than you can ever know. And and I know that there are people fasting for people, missionaries and places in different places around the world. People who are going through hard times, suffering right now. And I know that God is going to answer those prayers in our fasting as well. If you have any need, we want to encourage you to come as we stand and sing this song.
called Years I Spent in Vanity and Pride. Don't spend another day. And now that we know and understand a little bit more fasting, don't be surprised if God starts working in an extraordinary way in your life as well. Because the spiritual realm is shaking up when we fast and when we pray. Come as we stand and sing now. We hope by listening to this lesson, you have found a better understanding of the Bible. And through that better understanding, find a closer relationship with God and His Son, Jesus Christ, our living Savior. If you have any questions or desire more information, please feel free to contact us here at the Dangerfield, Texas Church of Christ. You can find us at dfield.org. That's D-F-I-E-L-D-C-O-C dot O-R-G. Or you can email at dfieldcoc779 at aol.com. Or you can call us at 903-645-2896. If you are local to the Dangerfield area, we would love an opportunity to meet you and encourage you in person at 818 West W.M. Watson Boulevard, Dangerfield, Texas. 75638. Our meeting times are Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. for Bible class and 10.30 a.m. for worship service, Sunday evening at 6 p.m. for worship service, and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. for our midweek Bible class. Grace and peace be with you always.